Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Calvary Live, coming to you from the studios here at Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions ready from any of you around the country. I want to welcome everyone, Radio by Grace, Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, online, and of course here on the Grace FM Radio Network. We're glad that you joined us. Give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, and I've got a dedicated text line open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 720-336-0897, that's for texting only, uh, and you can text prayer requests and anything into the show, and then when the show is off the air, you can t- use that number, send the t- a prayer request anytime, day or night, and we'll pass it on to our prayer teams and our staff here uh, that will cover you in prayer and partner together with you. 303-690-3000. I see the phone lines are full, and this is how it's going to be as we add stations to the program. Uh, you need to call early, and then once you get these busy signals, what you want to do is wait for a caller to end, and then boom, the line is open, and you can have it. Um, in case you're wondering, the Radio by Grace is our latest network that we added live. So you guys listening in Alabama, you're live. Arkansas, Florida, you're live. Georgia, Iowa, Idaho, you're all live. You're listening in on Texas, Washington, Wisconsin, Wyoming, you're all live. Colorado, you're live. Nebraska, you're live. Uh, of course, we cover also Cheyenne, Wyoming, you're live. Uh, everyone else listening in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Kentucky, uh, you guys are listening on a one-week delay. Uh, and all that means is call the show while we're on. We'll answer your call. You can hear it later uh, next week on the air, which is kind of cool. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. Uh, we're going to go right to the phone lines. Chris in Fort Collins, welcome to the program. How are you, brother? Good, man. What's up? Good. Um I just wanted to see if maybe I can get some prayer, uh, a prayer, and maybe some advice. Um, I know throughout my life, as I've gotten older, and I'm I'm in my mid thirties now, um, I've, I've been blessed by by God. Um, I've growing up, uh, I, I led a pretty selfish life. Um, even in my twenties, I was blessed to have a lot of things, um, and then I lost it all for my own selfishness. But you, you, I, I took time to realize that it was me that the, the cycle had to stop somewhere. Um, someone said something the other day that I found super interesting that I never heard, but it hit home. They said, uh, my, my faith is Christian, but my guilt is Catholic. Huh. And, uh, and I, I don't know why I found that so amusing, but yet so it hit home so, yes. so much. Um, I love God, but I feel like I'm constantly failing him. And that in turn leads me to not pray as much because I feel guilty yeah. uh, for pleasing him with these failures, um, constant failures. But 
I know that he doesn't leave my side. I've been blessed. I know I'm blessed. Um, I just feel like I'm running from responsibilities that I know he has for me, but that I'm scared to face. Yeah, there's a couple of things that come to mind before I pray for you. You know, I think the the guilt part can come from any man-made religion. It can come by, it can come from a, a an upbringing. It can become from parenting. It could come from a sensitive conscience. Uh, and certainly, some religions are more works oriented than others. And it's super important that you realize guilt is good uh, in certain cases. If Real, true guilt, not manipulative guilt, but real, true guilt is is good because it's a recognition of my guiltiness, of my failure. But um, there, I did a Bible study not too long ago. Well, actually, it was a few years ago on what godly sorrow is, because uh, godly sorrow is different than worldly sorrow, or in the language you're using today, uh, you know. Godly guilt is different than worldly guilt, and Paul makes this distinction uh, when he when he writes to the Corinthians, uh, giving them insight on on the difference. And I did a whole Bible study on this because it's super important. It's in Second Corinthians chapter seven. Uh, in let's pick up where. Um, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, "For the kind of sorrow." that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produces in you. Earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, such readiness to punish wrong. You've showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. And I really appreciate the New Living Translation on this because it brings out some nuances that are pretty important. Um, But you know it's not from the Lord when you're buried under it, when it doesn't lead to repentance, when it leads, you know, true conviction, true guilt always leads to God. Uh, worldly sorrow always leads away from God. And here's the key. This is the key. Uh, that is, if you choose to repent, turning away from that sin that is ever before you, from the, from the mistakes uh, that are ever before you, you know, choosing to repent means you forsake them and you don't have to deal with it anymore. Uh, it's in your rearview mirror. Uh, yeah, you might have to deal with consequences. You may have issues that come from sinful behavior, but when you truly repent, God hears and forgives. And I, I remember in Revelation, another verse that came to mind, Jesus writing to the church in Ephesus, and again from the New Living, it says, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place from among the churches. And I just think repentance is the key, brother. Um, not, no longer just feeling bad about something, but acting on it and leaving it behind. Mm, amen. So, Father, I pray for my brother. I know that uh, these are real uh, challenging issues in his life, plaguing, um, even besetting sins that just seem to follow him, uh, still be a part of his life, God. And so in the emotional, uh, everything that he's feeling right now, I pray that you would lead him toward a real repentance in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, brother. Appreciate you so much. Okay, man. Bye-bye. I would encourage you guys, pick up our free app. Uh, my name is Ed Taylor. You just put that in your search engine, and our church app will come up. That study, I remember delivering it. We did Second uh, Corinthians on a Wednesday night, and I remember delivering it. It was a powerful word from the Lord for our church. And it's all, all of our studies are up on our app uh, or our website, CalvaryCO, stands for Colorado, calvaryco.church. And everything's free, of course. Download it, forward it, listen to it, watch it. Uh, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our fellowship family, even though you're from a distance. And before we get back to the phone lines, again, one line is open, the text lines are open. Here's the text line, 720-336-0897, or call me. Call me at the free, uh, at the open line, 303-690-3000. Tonight's an epic night. It's a Calvary Church first. Excuse me, this is a horrible time to get the hiccups. Uh, So if I hiccup, I'm very sorry. This is an epic time tonight here at Calvary Church. It's a Calvary first. And over the years, we've been a church here now 22 years. Over the years, there's been a lot of different firsts, exciting, monumental. uh, But this is a first of a first of a first for us. And that is when I finish delivering our Bible study tonight in the book of Jude, I will have finished teaching our church verse by verse through the New Testament. That means I taught it all. As a matter of fact, I taught Revelation, John, and Acts twice. Um, we're in the book of Acts again, uh, because those are such foundational books. But but we have now finished the first, uh, we've finished the New Testament, and we will uh, be excited about that. Uh, it's It's right before December 26th, which is this Sunday, which is our 22, our 22nd uh, anniversary, I guess, or birthday as a church. We turn 22 this Sunday. Uh, and so monumental tonight. So come on out. <clears throat> last Wednesday study of the year, uh, last Wednesday gathering, last prayer time, last worship time before we, uh, of midweek Bible studies. I know a lot of churches are getting away from midweek. We're not. We love our midweek study. We love our gathering. Uh, it's in a larger church like ours, it's intimate, it's smaller. We pray together, sing together, have communion. Uh, it's really good, uh, and we love it. So we go through a different book of the Bible. <clears throat> when I finish the book of Jude, we know at the beginning of the year, we're going to start a verse-by-verse study in the book of Genesis, and it will be glorious. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. We're going to head out to... Amarillo, Texas. Alex, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you, Pastor Ed. Can you hear me? I can. All right. Um, So I'm wondering, um, in light of, not in light of salvation, but let's say an alcoholic or a drug addict who has gone to A or in A, they're now sober, they are not a believer in Christ, they are not a disciple of Christ or follower, um, but they believe in quote-unquote God, and or a higher power, and they thank God every morning and every night for keeping them clean and sober. And they live repentant pretty much compared to the way they used to live. Okay. But they don't they don't go to church. They don't have anything to do with Jesus. I I I understand Christ saying, you know, look, no one comes to the Father except through me. Very dogmatically like they're not praying to God for I mean, they may think they are. So my question is this 
Um, can someone act? Will God listen to someone who's not a Christian in prayer? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, the, the distinction between God listening to someone who's an unbeliever in prayer is he's under no obligation to answer their prayer. There's no relationship there. Uh, but God is merciful. I mean, think about, I don't know when you got saved, but I got saved later in life. I would talk to God in times of desperation. Uh, God spared my life multiple times, spared my life in, under the influence, spared my life in drunk driving accidents. God was very gracious to me, rescued my marriage even before I was saved, um, rescued it truly after we both got saved, but kept us together long enough to experience salvation. Uh, he, you know, and when you think of the Bible, you know, you think of the people of Nineveh, uh, they prayed in Jonah chapter 3 that their city might be saved. Hagar asked God to protect her son. Ahab, he fasts and mourns after Elijah prophesied to him. I mean, on and on, we find unbelievers communicating with God. Uh, he, they just communicate in a different way. God's not under any obligation to, to answer them in any way whatsoever, um, but, but he hears them and answers according to his will. I'm very satisfied with that answer. Um, I mean, I see where, where Paul's where, where where saying where the Holy Spirit's saying there's only one mediator between God and man. Yes, and yes. and it seems to be very emphatic. Like, don't think. I mean, but I hear you, and I'm very satisfied with that answer because Great. I know in light of that, yeah, there was times long before I ever even talked to the Lord Jesus that God heard my cry. So, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas, bro. God bless you in Texas. Uh, okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, you know, I was I was thinking how many of you are listening right now in a prison cell, uh, in jail, and you're like in that place where, God, if you get me out of this, uh, I'll serve you with my whole life. God hears that prayer, and when you honor that, your life will be transformed. And I, I think that I personally believe theologically that every salvation is preceded by an unbeliever confessing with their mouth the Lord Jesus. You're not saved before you get saved. So you're, you're not saved, and then you confess with the Lord Jesus uh, and believe in your heart God's raising him. You're, you, you're, there's obviously some kind of cosmic, uh, spiritual, dynamic uh, work that the Holy Spirit does uh, between his sovereignty and your free will, but I don't believe you get saved before you get saved. Uh, I believe that God hears the cry of an unbeliever and saves the unbeliever. He doesn't save the believer, he saves the unbeliever. So, you know, technically, uh, just about every salvation prayer is from an unbeliever. Um, I know there are disagreements on that, but that's where I stand. 303-690-3000. Got open lines. Take them while you can. Text me, 720-336-0897. Ralph up in Greeley, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Hey. Yeah, boy, you must, you're a rock star. You're <laughs> uh, listen, being listened to by everyone over the whole United States. Crazy. Yeah, what an honor, huh? But, I mean, I, when we started thinking of our history of our church, you know, in 22 years, when we started a little radio broadcast on an AM station here late at night, I don't think we would ever we would have ever been able to foresee what God had in store for us to be a part of radio ministry like this. It's such a privilege. Yes, I mean, I mean, what a, what a, what a job you have. I mean, reaching all these people all over the country. So it's just, I mean, it's. 
it's mind-boggling. But you know, thank you for doing that. That's uh, I'm I'm an, it's an honor to talk to you, uh, and then having you serve the way you are. But I got a question about uh, people. Um, you know, so like in these days, I hear and see a lot of people that are prepping, right, for okay. like horrible times that might come up. Now, I'm wondering if if someone were to break in my house, you know, and and threaten my family, you know, I'd I'd, I'd want to kill them, right, uh, to protect my family. I mean, if God forbid anything like that were to happen, and so I'm wondering. You know, with everyone with guns and stuff like that, you know, even in our church, um, you know, how does God feel about that? And, and I tried looking through Scripture, and I can't really find something, you know, even, you know, even figures in, in Scripture. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't re, uh, recall any, any passage where, you know, Abraham had to kill people to protect his, his wife, Sarah, or, you know, David, or any of these people, uh, you know, that, that they would have God's blessing to kill someone to protect their family. Um, do, well, you, do you have, you know, what, what would you do, Ed, if, uh, Pastor Ed, if someone were to break in your house and, and threaten your family? You know, would, would, would that be something that would be honoring to God to protect your family that way, if you had to kill somebody? Yeah, so self-defense is definitely something taught in the Scriptures, uh, and I think that if someone broke into my house and threatened my family, I don't believe that my first go-to, like my first thought is I'm going to kill them. Um, I do think that my first thought is I'm going to do what I need to do to protect my family. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily want to kill them, um, but I will. I do believe God put it in us to do whatever it takes to protect our family, keep my family safe, and if necessary, use fatal force um, to defend to the very end, you know, if they don't stop fighting or they pull a gun or whatever it might be. So self-defense is definitely something taught in the Scriptures. I think of Exodus uh, chapter 22 and verse 2, it says, If a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. Um, that's probably I'm right. I just read. I've been reading from the New Living more often. That's from the New Living. It's such a clear, uh, a clear indication that self-defense is something that is taught in the scriptures, that is allowed in the scriptures. Um, and you know, when you factor it in, because it's a nuanced. That's one thing in, that that I love about this program, and one thing I love about talking is that most of the questions and answers that we're talking about are nuanced. So it takes some time to talk through the different layers of necessity. So the idea of prepping, you know, the, the idea of prepping and for, uh, preparing for Armageddon and preparing for the last days, um, there's a wisdom in preparing for the last days, but many preppers have the wrong motive. Uh, they want to protect themselves, they want to protect their families, but the Bible speaks of, and even Joseph demonstrates, that if we're going to put anything away, we're going to put something away for us and for others. Uh, we're going to be thinking about helping and loving and caring for others, not just simply caring for ourselves. So the idea of prepping, setting food aside, 
uh, for whatever it might be, for the worst case scenario, for more government decisions that empty out store shelves or supply chain issues, or it's always wise to prepare. And it is wise to be prepared to protect your family. Um, but hopefully that wouldn't be our first thought is taking another life. Our first thought would be to protect my family with the least amount of of damage, the least amount of, um, you know, even a even a person that is violating my house is a person created in the image of God. And if I don't have to use deadly force with them, I don't want to. Yes. And I think, you know, and you you hit that right on the head. And, and you know, so, Pastor Ed, my, my thought was, are you familiar with that story, the end of the spear, or those missionaries were... Yes you know, somewhere in, in, in Africa or, or South America, I am. And, and one of the missionaries got killed, right? Yes, uh-huh. Uh, and so he, you know, and knowing how the, those tribes were, you know, they were, I guess, headhunters or whatever. And so, you know, he, he just let them kill the, the you know, his, his, uh, his missionary uh, uh, buddy, but yet... The family took in that killer and was able to, to, you know, teach him, and he became a believer and brought him to the United States, and that was a whole fun story. But yeah, Elizabeth Elliot. She's that was her yeah, her husband yeah. Jim. Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, yes, and so you know that got me to thinking. So if someone, you know, and obviously my 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 thought, and I'm sure guys in my church aren't thinking the same thing that they want. I don't just go kill people, but you know. Would you just sacrifice, you know, your life, you know, knowing that, that you know, boy, that you know, you, I mean, you could be, we could be killed, right? And in a home invasion or whatever, it yes. would it be, you know, this is what Paul did when he was in prison. He he just stayed calm and believed in God and that that he that God had control, <laughs> you know, he wasn't gonna do whatever it took to get, you know to do what he needed to do or in a, in a fleshly way, I guess. And, and so, um, you know, God would want us to, God would want us to, to let that person, I mean, live so that he would know Christ. I mean, and if that meant our lives, uh, would that, you know, that, that's, that's a really tough, that was a really tough thing for me to, to, you know, to, to ponder on. You know, I think that it's what what you're describing um, in using a real life story is a hypothetical, and I'm learning, especially during these last couple years. I, I I think something God has added to my thinking and added to my spiritual sanity and and my faith relationship with the one true living God is I try to avoid dealing in hypotheticals creating up scenarios that trouble my mind, trouble my thoughts. Many times I create the scenarios that won't that really don't have an answer to them. I mean, we can answer biblically what what the parameters is it okay, what is self-defense, what but what if this xyz what would you do? The answer is I don't know what I would do. Um, I've been in some very very challenging difficult situations that if you would have asked me an hour or two hours or five hours before, Ed, if this happened, what would you do? I'm like, I don't, I have no idea what I will do until I get there. And, and so I'm learning to really uh, appropriate um, the words of Jesus when he said not to worry about tomorrow. 
Um, I mean, truly, really not worrying about what might happen, what could happen, what would I do if it happened, but rather I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to deal with what's in front of me. I'm going to abide in Christ. I'm going to trust him with any unknown situation that's up ahead. And, And I mean, really, and you hit it on the head, really, was you turn the corner on your question and you turn the corner on our discussion and you really hit it where you put it where it needed to be and that is I need to trust God. I that that is I need to trust my the very powerful presence of God who is with me that even if some of these hypothetical things happen I've got too many real things to deal with that I don't need to start worrying about hypothetical things and as I watch God work in real time in my life I know that if there is a new real-time situation in the future, he'll meet me there too. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, Pastor Ed, that's, thank you so much. And um, we're praying for you. I am. Thank you. Anyways, and I, I spoke with Pastor Jeff because I have all these questions, and I'm, on, and I'm driving this last week from Boulder. Uh-huh. So I have all this time to sit and listen to you guys. So I'm thinking, I got all these questions. I'm just going to call up. Fantastic. So thank you for being there. Yeah, thank you, and it's and it's awesome what you're doing. We're praying. Uh, we're praying that God can just fulfill you guys with, you know, what you guys need to keep going in these last days. So God bless you. Thank you, and, my brother. Uh, and, and Merry Christmas. Merry Pastor. Christmas. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. The scripture. Uh, that, let me just read it because there's power in the Word of God. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I just noticed for you guys on Radio by Grace, I missed a whole page of states. So I went from Idaho to uh, Tennessee or something, or I went from Idaho uh, to Texas. So let me remind you, if you're listening in Kansas or Louisiana, if you're listening in right now in Michigan or Missouri or Mississippi, or Montana, if you're listening in in New Mexico, Pennsylvania, or South Carolina, or Tennessee, you are live listening to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. I want to invite you to connect with us. I've got a podcast. i got a website. Uh, we got Bible studies here to equip you and encourage you and strengthen you. All that information is available. <clears throat> you can get on my website, edtaylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R.org. I write on grief, unfortunately, but that's how God's chosen to use me. I read, I, I write, and my podcast is on spiritual leadership, what that looks like in the church and in the world. Uh, and then uh, I also write on life, just life issues and things. Uh, and of course, I've been, we celebrate 22 years as a church this Sunday. But today is our 11 year birthday for Grace FM. So happy birthday, Grace FM. Uh, when we purchased this station from Way FM, they were going to let us turn it on live in January, but then they got their station early, they went live on their station, and they said, you guys can go on before the end of the year. You can go on, and we, we treated it like a Christmas present to our church and to our city, and we all gathered, we just post some pictures. We don't have many. Unfortunately, we didn't have a media team and a creative team back then. So even I think the pictures are probably from my cheapo trio phone, uh, that little phone with the keyboard on it. Um, But nonetheless, it's a memory. 
Even Kevin is in that picture, standing against the wall. Little did Kevin know he'd be running the station uh, 10 years later, nine years later. Uh, but he was in that room. We crammed into this little room that is now all built out as studios and everything. But it was a room that we built in our new building by faith without a radio station saying one day we will put a radio station in that room. And here we are, 11 years. So happy birthday, Grace FM. Uh, and we're very grateful to provide it uh, to throughout the front, what they call the front range here in Colorado, which is all the east side of the Rocky Mountains. And our radio station is heard from Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way south of Colorado Springs. Uh, and so you hear the music. That means we're going to a very quick break. I'm going to see if I can find some water somewhere. And uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. We're glad that you joined us. Lines are full, but if you hear someone drop off, as soon as we finish a phone call, you can call the number 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. You're live. If you're listening on Grace FM or Radio by Grace, you are live, live, live right into the studio. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. we got a lot of exciting things happening the first one I want to mention is Grace FM, uh, the radio station here in Colorado, our network, is 11 years old today. Uh, so we're growing up little by little, 11 years. We've been on the air. Uh, we went on the air uh, at midnight, I think, after service. I think we finished a service on a Wednesday night. Was it a Wednesday night? And we walked back here into this room. Actually, this room is all built out now all studioed out and, you know, angled windows and all the technology. But when we built this addition to our building, we left this space, we left two spaces empty. One one space was this one, uh, and this one was dedicated. It's a whole uh, section of the floor here uh, to, the, to radio that we didn't have and never knew if we would. And then adjacent to it, sometimes you'll even hear the kids uh, because we share a wall with a similar room that we left open for a future use of a school that didn't exist yet. And it's the art room. And they do kids do a lot of things in the room next to us uh, because we do now have the school and we do now have radio. And now the question is, what else does God want us to be a part of? And I wonder if you've been asking that question in your life. Of all that you've experienced and all that God has brought you, he's brought you thus far. He's been faithful thus far. But what's next? What's next? What does God have for us next? What new avenues? What new opportunities? I know things are tough, and I know we get pushed back. Uh, I know it. And it, and it even seems like there are delays um, that we wonder, man, maybe we missed it. I'll give you one for me uh, that is personal, even with the church. You know, about nine years ago, we were looking at property throughout Aurora here, uh, just looking to expand our facilities. And, um, you know, we need more space for the kids. We need more space for the church, just more space. And so we identified in a brand new development, about 20 acres, 
that would have been a great purchase and a a new undeveloped part of our city. And uh, we were expressing that and, uh, you know, expressing our interest and talking to real estate agents. Uh, and then um, tragedy struck and my son passed away and changed the whole dynamic of my life and the church and just wiped me out, wiped my family out. And the property purchase got set aside as everyone was uh, investing their energy into the church, investing their energy and supporting uh, Marie and I and my family and and helping us to pastor and just on and on. It was, it was a glorious, difficult time. And by the time I God had restored some of my strength and I went knocking on that door again, many years passed, uh, I went knocking on that door again, it was gone. And now when I drive to church through that area, it's all gone. Like, it's built up already. Uh, and and we had seen it, and we had seen it by faith, and that was going to be it, and it would be a big building on the corner, and the Lord would have it. And now it's, I think it's the corner with all those apartment buildings on it. Like, they must have put 400 units or something on that property, and it's not ours. And and it's not, and so what do you say? You know, Ed, did you fail? Uh, maybe, but even God could use failure. Uh, did you miss it? Probably, but even God could use miss it. Was it just a rearrangement through tragedy? Pro- probably, but we still don't have it. But it's a lot of other things like come out of that, right? We learn to be pay- faithful with what we have. Uh, we learn to save perhaps for something else in the future. We, we learn to take care of the people that are in front of us. You know, on and on the list could go. Who knows? Who knows what, what would have happened? We don't know. But maybe you're in that place where you look and you go, man, I missed an opportunity. Okay. Who knows how God's going to use that? Or, you know, Ed, I failed. Oh, all right. So who knows how God's going to use that? If we really, and I know we do, but this is the time where we really need to appropriate the verses that we memorize and the verses that that we have internalized and memorized, right? And and Paul had to come to this place in his life, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we we trust it. And, and here's the thing, we could say we have to believe that, and if we say that, then like, well, we just have to believe that. Well, we're not in a place of faith yet, because faith is the place of, I believe that. Not... Well, you know, I just have to believe that. And you might even be there. It's like take some progression uh, to really surrender our lives to the Lord. But maybe there's some broken dreams or tragedy struck and things turn a left turn and you're separated from your family, you can't see your kids or your grandkids, you missed out on a purchase or a relationship. Listen, God is working all things together. We know that. God is working all things together. That Greek word there is oida. Um, you know, that sense of we know that we know. Um, it is um, the, the idea of the, the importance of knowing, knowing. We know this. Um, we see it. We live it. 303-690-3000. Got an open line here. We're going to get to uh, Joe... Joe is in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Joe, welcome to the program. How's it going? It's going great. Can you hear me okay? I can. Cool. Yeah, I've been listening to you guys for a while, so I've heard you for probably half the time I've been in the front range. So 
I appreciate what you guys do. It's been cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, My question is, I guess it has to do with um, the line of epigenetics and different gene therapies, designer babies, and, um, you know, some of the other stuff that's going to start getting a little bit more intrusive with the human body and what the line in the sand should be. Uh, you know, if we're still here, the church in five, 10, 20 years, and this stuff starts rolling out. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's a side of it that, you know, they're going to be able to take out defective genes, cancer genes, and, you know, that sounds good. But then there's the side where they want to enhance the body and, um, you know, enhance our cognition, our brain power. And like Elon Musk was talking about a Neuralink. Yeah. Um, he's already implanting it in monkeys and um, like a brain interface where, our brain basically hooks up to the internet of things and computers. And um, as we see like the metaverse and AI and all that stuff, it's just a lot going on. So I'm just curious, like what, uh, what should the line and the sand kind of be as we see more of this stuff rolling out, as it kind of starts taking more part of our life. And obviously we're already uh, use technology a lot. Like I'm using my phone now, but it's, a little bit less intrusive, obviously. So. Well, you know, it's, it, you, you, you make some observations that are real. They're no longer magazine articles or thoughts. Like these are real, real monies being invested in real um, technology and inventions trying to develop these things. And just to, as uh, there is a line to draw, I don't know exactly where it is until I get there, but I agree with you. There's going to be a line drawn uh, for sure, and we have to assess each situation individually, uh, not only biblically, but but ethically and morally before the Lord. But as you were talking this, immediately the Holy Spirit reminded me of this verse, and tell me if it doesn't sound familiar. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and was grieved in his heart, And so the Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, this isn't the first time um, humanity has viewed themselves as smarter than God, eliminating God. I mean, as you're describing some of the things, some of the ways that this technologies being used all under the guise of improving health and improving life, um, it really isn't in many ways. They're not, they're really wanting to prolong life. They want to live forever. They want to accomplish the things of God in their own strength. They, they truly believe in man's wisdom, um, what we would term today as scientific discovery, uh, technological discoveries, more than God's wisdom um, they create a God in their own image, and on and on the goes, right? So uh, you you ask the question, you know, where does it end? Or what, what are the lines drawn? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that particular question, but I do know that God sees and He knows, and there are lines to be drawn that we're all going to have to make a decision of what we can participate in and what we can't participate in. And here's the thing I would just encourage believers listening right now, just be consistent. Um, be consistent in your beliefs, be consistent in your responses, because the world can sniff hypocrisy. Like it's it's abundantly clear that picking and choosing is is not a solid foundation uh, for us to make. That if we make a decision morally, ethically, biblically in one 
um, in one case, then it's going to carry on to another case. Um, but it's wild. And I, I know this stuff's being tested, invented. Uh, and, you know, the metaverse is real. These guys already, you know, by, by the time we learn something, um, by the time we learn something, they're already five years into the future. They've already, they're already working on that. Like this stuff's already exists. Um, but because of money and because of, of the way of marketing and making money, they let it out a little by little, little by little. Um, but you're right. We're, we're walking in some, we need to pray. And this is where, this is where, uh, Joe, and you may even be listening to you. You may even be in this category, but we need to pray for very smart people to engage the culture in the scientific community. Like we need believers, true, authentic, God-fearing, born-again believers to to be in these communities. Even and even in the culture is pushing it out. The culture is not accepting. You know, I get uh, Christianity is going to be on the fringe. Um, it shouldn't surprise us, but it does. Um, but we do need that that opportunity to engage in smart people um, to invest their time, talents, and treasures into the scientific community so that they can be a voice of reason and be a biblical voice. Um, but, you know, it gets drowned out today, just like politics. You know, we need solid biblical believers in politics that give a reasoned answer to some of the dramatic, difficult choices um, ungodly politicians make that we need the church to be the church in every facet of society. Right. Yeah. Important to have people in the community for sure that we can look up to because we all kind of outsource a lot of things to experts and right. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to decipher what you know what's what when there's so many voices and there's so many financial interests. Um, and this kind of this ties into something else that, uh, and this is a kind of a divisive topic, and I don't have to say much, but the head of Pfizer he says. Like, a lot of scientists are saying that this new vaccine technology is um, kind of a doorway to bring in these other gene-based technologies. And I won't get into everything because I'm not a scientist, but they people on these boards, they admit it. And I guess that's my concern is that, you know, as, like, the frog boils and then people start accepting things, accepting things, and all of a sudden we're, um, you know, there's things that we don't fully understand that we start accepting. And I, don't, I guess that's my concern. Well, I, I think it's a I think it's a good concern. There's a couple of thoughts I have. I haven't talked to the Pfizer guy, so watching a video out of context doesn't necessarily give me all the information that I have. However, just with that thought, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that there is a there's also a a pipeline for these kind of technologies for for companies to make more money. But I w- but but let's set that aside for a second. Set that part aside and just say this. Believers need to be ready to die for their faith. That that is if if we don't have that fundamental desire to or and commitment to die to ourselves, then we will be troubled by every little thing in this world. So let's just say something comes to your doorstep. You're at uh, let me see real quick here. You're calling in from Longmont. Then they just build a brand new hospital up on off I-25 up in Longmont. Uh, I think it's it. County line maybe there. Oh, so it's a brand new big one right off the highway there. I was driving up there not too long ago. So there you are. You're in that hospital. They're ready to perpetrate all this technology on you. And you just have to be willing to say no. Paying the price for that. Like that, 
when a world is hostile toward God, just like they were, like Jesus said no to every temptation, and his reward was he was viciously murdered with the cruelest tool available to man at the time. And I believe the artificial conflict that's in so many believers' lives is, especially here in the Western world, especially here in the United States, is we are very much not living as pilgrims on the earth. We are very much enjoying our comforts and our ease and our excess. And we, in many ways, our God is allowing the refining process of an upside-down world to stir his church up and to divide uh, the believers from the unbelievers. And I think if with a greater sense of trust and faith in the Lord, all of these things, let's just say it's everything you mentioned is 100% antichrist. Well, Jesus, we already know in First John, 2,000 years ago, we were taught that many antichrists are already in the world. They were in the world back then, they're in the world now. What's the believer's responsibility? Abiding in Christ, bearing fruit for his kingdom, trusting with our lives, and remembering that our last breath on earth will be our first breath in eternity. And to take a stand for righteousness could cost you your life. So when you stand, as we should, just we have to realize it may cost us our life, and we'll be in the presence of the Lord. All right, man. God bless you, brother. Yeah. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. I think that's what we've lost in comfort and ease. I think that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel. They have abundance. They I, I, Even Solomon. Solomon, don't multiply wives, don't multiply horses. The dude multiplied wives and multiplied horses. And the the Bible says that those the women that... Re, it's not the women in particular, but the women... Um, you know, it's not a... Uh, I want to clarify, it's not a dig toward women, but those women, those ungodly pagan women, turned his heart away from the Lord. He was told not to do it, he did it, and paid the consequence. Same with us. We live in the luxuries of the world, we live with all the comfort and ease, and we don't use it for the kingdom of God, we don't invest it, we don't send it ahead. We don't love the poor. We don't visit the the. We don't minister to the orphan. We don't visit the sick and the. We don't fulfill God's call upon our lives. And then when tough times come in the world, we just fight, 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 fight. And like, okay, uh, now we have one more thing to keep us busy, so we don't do. We don't live out the mandate of the gospel, because the mandate of the gospel is not physical life; it is spiritual life. And we're going to learn that on Christmas. When we open up all the gifts that Jesus has for us, you're going to be surprised. It has nothing to do with Cabbage Patch dolls. I don't even know what the latest gift this year, what the gift is that parents are trying, because my kids are all grown up, but I'm sure there's a gift out there that's hard to get. It's not Life's not about that. It's about living our lives for the Lord. 303-690-3000. Back to Arkansas now. Vanessa, welcome to the program. Hey, Vanessa, are you still with us? I'm sorry we might have dropped you, but a great question. So uh, Kevin put the question in. I'm going to answer it. You want to start reading the Bible again? Where should you start? Great question. You're a new believer. Where should you start? You haven't read the Bible in a while. Where should you start? Here's a recommendation that I make. And by the way, we have open lines 
Give me a call, 303-690-3000, Here's my suggestion. Number one, read a, pro- a chapter of Proverbs every day. A chapter of Proverbs every day. And that means there's 30 to 31 days in a month, and you're going to read Proverbs 12 times in a year. But get and when why would you read a chapter of the Proverbs a day for the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God? Secondly, I'd read as many Psalms as I have time. So I'd go from Proverbs and I'd go back to Psalms and I'd just start reading and praying through the Psalms. Why would we go through the Psalms? Because God will infuse worship. So you have wisdom and then worship. And then I'd go to the Gospels and I just, if you did this for a year, you'd be blown away and just read the Gospels. And why the Gospels? Because now we're going to go from wisdom to worship to the way of Jesus, to the way of Jesus. You're going to follow him along. And I would read the Gospels in a different order than they're presented in the Scriptures. I would read the Gospel of John first, then Mark, then Luke, then Matthew. So John, Mark, Luke, and Matthew. John is a Bible study that will, or a, a gospel, a book of the Bible that will build up your faith. Mark is a book of the uh, gospel of the New Testament, following Jesus, that will help you serve well. Luke is to help you be a better man or a better woman. You're going to see Jesus as the perfect man. And then finally, Matthew, you'll see him as Messiah. You'll see him fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies of the coming of Messiah. So proverb a day, as many Psalms as you want, and then some chapters in the Gospels, and just take it, take it. And of course, there's reading plans, and there's different things that you could do, but um, that's a great way just to—you want to get to know Jesus. I I like to read the Gospels. I also like to read from a different version. I like alternating New King James, New Living, New King James, New Living, just to keep it fresh in my mind. Uh, And I picture myself, to the best of my ability, just hanging out with Jesus, following him, listening to him, watching him, discerning from the Holy Spirit, what does that look like in my life today? How can I apply that? Um, And that's a great way to start reading the Bible again. Proverbs, Psalms, Gospels. 303-690-3000. Mike, up in Greeley, Colorado, welcome to the program. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I had a question. Um, As believers, um, if we repent and... I was always told that God forgives, forgets our sins if we ask for forgiveness. Is that correct? Are you there? Knowing. Technically, that's not correct, because God being all-knowing doesn't forget anything. Um, he has all knowledge that there is to have. But when he forgives, he no longer holds it against us. And so my understanding of his forgetting is that he chooses not to remember it. He chooses not to, you know how your memory is. You have an imperfect memory, so do I. But if a bad memory comes up, I don't have to entertain it. I can just dismiss it. I don't have to hold it against anybody. And so our sins are no longer held against us. They are forgiven. They are covered. And in a very real way, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who stands on our behalf. So in a real way, our sins won't be held against us, but I don't think God forgets about them in the sense that he never remembers them again. So when we, when we go before the Lord and the, the, the book of life is opened up, are those sins brought back up? 
No, no, because we're not going to be standing at the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. And for unbelievers, they're going to be judged by their works. Primarily, their judgment at the great... great I can't say it. I want to say it with a W. The great white throne is going to be a judgment for their rejection of Jesus Christ. For you and I, we're going to face something that's known as the Bema Seat Judgment. Uh, the Bema Seat. What we're going to be judged for or refined, you know, when you think of judgment, we're going to be evaluated. Our lives are going to be brought under evaluation uh, and the the language of refining fire is used to describe how our lives will be evaluated. And we won't be judged for our, our works. We'll be judged by, for, we'll be examined, I think is a better word, we'll be examined for what we did with Christ. Um, he, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, for no other found or verse 11 for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is Christ Jesus now if anyone builds on this foundation uh, with gold silver precious stones wood hay or straw each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and fire will te- test each one's work of what sort it is so the work of salvation has been done by Christ so you and I as believers will not be at the white throne judgment because the white throne judgment is for Christ or for unbelievers. Okay. So the people that accepted Christ are still saved, but say they keep going on and continue sinning. Are they going to face that judgment at the end? Yeah, for a believer that sins, uh, they will experience the consequence of their sin. Like a sinner that sins, that's they're, they're, they're not only going to die in their sins, their unrepentant sin, but they're going to face the consequences of their sin. For a believer, now we have this, we have the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we have a, a conscience that's enlivened by the Holy Spirit, we have God's Word, like there's so much brought into our lives so that we don't live in sin. So when the knowledge of sin comes up and the repentance takes place, then then we're just a, we're not being re-forgiven. We're just appropriating the blood of Jesus Christ to fresh failures in our lives. Like we don't keep getting saved, we don't keep getting forgiven, but we do obey God when He says um, that if uh, if we if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's an ongoing cleansing, and the accountability for sin is going to be lived out. Part of it's, you know, we had bad... Let's just say we did something for the Lord with a bad motive, okay? We, we, let's say we gave a million dollars to Children's Hospital, but we did it so our name could be up there, and so everybody could walk in, look my name, look my name. Well, you know, the million dollars was good. Um, it was given away. It's going to help a lot of kids. Um, but it's not going to amount much to, to the kingdom because we have the wrong motives. It's going to become wood or hay or straw. It's just going to be—it has no eternal value because our motives were wrong. But God's still going to use it. Uh, and, and so our judgment will be to—it will be a refining of our behavior, both what we did and why we did it. And that continual sin in our lives just makes our life harder. It's just so un- those people that uh, say they're Christians, like continue their worldly sinning, I guess, are they really Christians? Are That's, they really sinning? I mean, that, 
That's the right question to ask, isn't it? It says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And there is a big difference between practicing and episodic or occasional sin. Um, A person that is continuing to live like an unbeliever should really consider whether they're a believer at all. I see a lot of that today, so that's what worries me. I've got a lot of family members that I'm afraid think they're saved, but don't act like they are. Well, I just did a Bible study. I was talking to a friend of mine recently about apostates, and you know, I think real apostasy is just sorting out the believers from the unbelievers. I don't know that I, I don't personally theologically believe that a, some, a believer can be unborn again. I don't believe they can lose their salvation. I have strong biblical um, uh, foundational principles, teachings on that. So what about all those people that were in church Ed, that fell away and apostatized? Well, I kind of hold to what John said. They went out from us because they were never of us. And I believe a lot of people think they're saved and pretend they're saved, but deep down in their heart, no, they have no love for God at all. And you know, for us, that's not our business, right? I don't know your heart, you don't know my heart, so if you're in this church or you're listening to me right now, if you say you're saved, I'll treat you that way. If you say you're saved and act like an unbeliever, I'll treat you like that way. And if you're an unbeliever, I'll treat you that way as well. I'll treat you with the love of God and call you to a complete commitment to Jesus. Gotta go, brother. Thank you. Come on out tonight, Wednesday night service. We're first, we're finishing the New Testament verse by verse tonight. Let's celebrate together our last Wednesday. God bless you guys on the network. May you be encouraged and strengthened. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.